Welcome to Seder Stories, the official podcast of Holy Cross Athletics, presented by UMass Memorial Health. Welcome to the latest episode of Seder Stories, the official podcast of Holy Cross Athletics, presented by UMass Memorial Health. My name is Andy Lacombe. I'm filling in as the guest host for Seder Stories today. I'm the news director at Spectrum News One in Worcester, and I also work with Holy Cross Athletics as a PA announcer at basketball games. This month, Worcester is celebrating its 300th anniversary. Holy Cross is such an important part of the history of Worcester. And on today's episode, we're lucky to be joined by one of the most notable names in the history of Holy Cross, Bob Cousy. His list of accomplishments is extensive. He helped the Boston Celtics win six championships in seven years. He was the 1957 NBA MVP and a 13-time All-Star. As a freshman at Holy Cross, he was a contributing member of the 1947 NCAA championship team. In his sophomore, junior, and senior seasons, he led Holy Cross to two more NCAA tournaments and garnered All-East and All-America honors in the process. And to this day, Worcester is his home. We're so fortunate today to be joined by one, the one and only, and the great Bob Cousy. Now, Bob, we're going to be talking a lot about Worcester and its history today. But first, we're going to start with a big question for you is, when you think of Worcester, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Andy, by the way, I couldn't have said that myself, the introduction, (laughs) better. I think I've literally... I enjoyed a love affair with this city for, I I didn't do the math, but since 1946, I stepped off a train at Union Station, my second visit out of the Big Apple. Uh, It was a rainy Saturday and somehow made my way up to Holy Cross. As I say, the the, uh, relationship and association, it was immediate. I mean, it was like stepping from a raging storm to a nice, beautiful, sunny day like like we have here because I was, I had just been through 17 somewhat stressful years in, in literally a jungle in New York at the time. I was fabricated in a small French farming community in northeastern France in 1927. And for some reason, my dad, thank God, left the farm and his three brothers. He had just remarried. His first wife had passed and decided to come across on a Mauritania. Came through Ellis Island in 19, December 1927. I was in my mother's stomach and uh, uh, born in August of 28, and then lived in this wonderful ghetto on 80th and 81st Street, East End Avenue, for the first 12 years. And uh, this was those old brownstones. The cockroaches and the rats were bigger than the tents. <laughs> uh, but when you're kids, you know, we always had food on the table. My father was a workaholic and uh, even during Depression years. But it was ghetto existence. We, it took them 12 years to save $500 and get out of Manhattan, out to Long Island, where there was fresh air and hoops. 
And that was my first experience at age 13 with basketball. And and then for four more years in, anyway, in somewhat difficult, New York during those periods was strictly survival, you know, survival and self-interest, I guess, were my was my code. So getting to Worcester and Holy Cross in 46 just was a revelation. It opened up a whole new, just in terms of relationships with people. This city has always been, I think, a very giving and uh, they reach out about as well. They've won the All-American City nomination, I don't know how many times, five or six, for that reason. They, they're, they're non-profits, are prolific. They they touch just about every need. I mean, it's a giving community. People care about each other. That, unfortunately, in the early 30s was not the case in NYC. As I said earlier, it was survival and self. So every phase of it was attractive to me, and I related. And obviously, my four years at Holy Cross and the Jesuits at that time, you had all Jesuit, all but one, I think, educators, uh, just put the icing on the cake for me. It, it became a beautiful world. I imagine recruiting and the process was different then than it is now with visits. And it, So what did you know about Worcester or Holy Cross before you stepped off that train? Did you know enough about it or were you just taking kind of a leap? You know, ironically enough, I was, we had number one, 5,000 kids at Andrew Jackson High School in St. Albans. And I was a typical jock. I mentioned we got there when I was 13 and I saw hoops for the first time. Not only did kids play, they were, they were completely enamored with basketball. The high school opened in 36, had won the city championship, big deal, twice in that period of time. We're talking now 40, whatever, 38. When I got there, every kid in the, in the city just wanted a, a town, wanted to uh, go out for the basketball team. So I went out three times and never even got looked at. I was uh, I was just one of many, and the coach would only have time to have your dribble lines or whatever. They, so I got overlooked very easily, and uh, uh, I so I used to make up for it by playing with uh, with three or four different teams. One was the Long Island Daily Press League, the biggie, and they would play their games. At Andrew Jackson at night, the community center. And the coach was in charge of the community center. He picked up a few dollars doing that. And he saw he watched our game one night and he called me over. I'd already been out for the team three times. And he said, Hey kid, you go to school here? <laughs> if I'd been a wise guy, I'd have said, Yeah, come on, I really made an impression and I've been out for the freaking team three times. <laughs> but I said, Yes, sir. And he said, Well, uh, I need a uh, one man on a junior varsity, a left-handed. You interested? I said, yeah, I'm not left-handed. No, you're left-handed. I just watched you play. Anyway, uh, I said, yes, sir, coach. So, so anyway, as a result, I played, uh, I played junior varsity the second year, sophomore, uh, my sophomore year. So I was really ready to go my junior year on the varsity, and I had by then had evolved a little bit. And 
uh, there were so many kids in the school, as I said, we used to sit double in homeroom. Homeroom was the 20 minutes you spent before going to class. And I, I, I was sharing this heath with this fat, gregarious, outgoing kid, all right? He's on the other side. He's throwing spitballs and raising hell. And my first language was French. I learned English in the street, so I spoke funny. And I still feel speak funny, as you can hear, Andy. So I wasn't saying a word. If I'd been throwing spitballs, trust me, I'd tell you. I, I just was sat there. But when marking period came, the homeroom teacher flunked my friend in citizenship, and I guess she lumped me together with him. If you don't find so she flunked me. I didn't even know what that meant. I lost citizenship. What did I do? Anyway, what it meant was I couldn't play sports. <laughs> Someone announced that to me. I was devastated. I ran to the coach to defend me, I guess. He turned out to be an old-timer, hardliner, you know. He gave me hell instead of, anyway, so I didn't play that uh, first part of my junior year. I could work out with the team, but, uh, oh, God, it was the most frustrating time of my life at the time. In those days, teams would score 30 points, 32 total teams. That first game I played and I scored 38, I was like letting, getting let go out of a cage. So I did well my junior year, and then senior year I did very well. I won a city champion, scoring championship, and made first team all city, which at the time was a big deal. Today it's a humongous 500 coaches sitting on your doorstep. I was deluged by two college offers, Boston College, believe it or not, and Holy Cross. Holy Cross had just resurrected basketball. It was a football-baseball school. Basketball was given up during the war because there was too much trouble or whatever. They restarted it in 45, and Doggy Julian was the backfield coach for Oxtagosa. And they went to Doggy and said, don't you have some sort of basketball background? Yeah, I coached Allentown or somewhere. Well, we're going to resurrect. You want to coach the basketball? $500. $500. Yeah, I'll coach the basketball team. And they did pretty well that year. They Like walk-ons, no recruiting. Uh, they were like 16 and 9 or something. Played in the old barn up there. The stories about the old barn. We worked out it. We played in it the first year or two. We played our home games at South High School. So anyway, I get this. So uh, a dear friend of mine for life, Dr. Ken Haggerty, had just come from Cornell to finish. It was a V12 program at Holy Cross. And he was the captain of the team, 45-46. And at some point, he said to Doggy, Doggy, there's some hotshot kid. I haven't seen him play, but at my high school. And you ought to recruit. You ought to send a letter and recruit him. I get this letter from Doggy. Hey, kid, I hear you're a hotshot basketball player. If you're interested in Holy Cross, fill this form out. I'll give you a scholarship. <laughs> that was the extent of my recruiting. Uh, but the good thing is... My junior year, I was a typical jock, C minus, barely paying attention in school. A professor got me, I don't remember, I, well, it was after I played, 
my uh, second half of my junior year, and it looked like I had some skills. And he grabbed me and he said, hey, kid, you know, you play that stupid child's game pretty well. You know, you believe it or not, you can think you can go to college through that. And we had never talked about college. Never our group. We didn't consider it. We didn't have any money. We <laughs> anyway, uh, he said, but if you do get offers, you want to go to a good school. I said, what does that mean? He said, I said, good academically, because in those days a diploma, now they stay a jock in football and basketball staying around for a year, maybe a year and a half, and they're out of there to earn millions of dollars. Those days, so a, a diploma obviously isn't that meaningful to a high-profile jock. But So he said, yeah, you want to go to a good school in terms of your future, that's more important than going to a factory or whatever. So I guess I listened because I stayed awake in my last year and became like a B-plus student, and and I hit the, the regents in those days. They were like our SATs. And uh, so anyway, I was acceptable. <laughs> so I went up to BC, however, as the only school that invited me to visit, and I'd never been out at a Big Apple. So I thought that was a big deal. Wow, I, I got on the train, went up to BC, and I, walking around the campus with the coach and uh, say, coach, I don't see a gym. Where do you play? Well, we don't have a gym. We're, got, we're, we're raising money for one now. We're going to build it in the next few years. They built it when I was coaching there 40 years later. But I said, so where do you play your home games? He said, Boston Garden. Ooh, I said, that's good. Because in those days, as now, every kid who's involved in basketball in the country wants to play at Madison Square Garden. So I had done that a few times. But I'd heard a boy, so that was good. A little long, go a little further. I say, Coach, I don't see any dorms. Where, 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 where do I live? He said, well, this is a day hop school. I said, what is that, Coach? He said, well, that means you. I would place you with a family off campus and you'd live with them and come well, I said a moment ago, I was the originally timid kid. The thought of living with a family <laughs> was terrifying. Shook his hand, got back on the train, found a letter that I had discarded because it wasn't up from Doggy, and I saw they had he had uh, a brochure with dorms in it. <laughs> that was as simple as that. I filled out the form, got on the train, and the aforementioned got off and. September of uh, whatever of forty six, and twelve of us wandered in to Holy Cross that those two years. Half of them veterans, three or four snot nosed seventeen. I just turned eighteen, eighteen year olders, and we win the freaking NCAA championship. Can you imagine working in an old barn? I mean, it, NCAA wasn't that big a deal. Well, it was still the NCAA, and they invited 16 teams, and all three games were played at Madison Square Garden. That made a big deal out of it. Now they invite 68, I think. So, yeah, it was a, it's a little bigger today. But nevertheless, basketball wasn't even on the curriculums in the high schools in Worcester. We so that 
that event, in my judgment, giving Holy Cross and all of us the benefit of the doubt, but lit the spark, the basketball spark in New England. Then the Celtics picked up later and, and solidified basketball's position. But Holy Cross, in my judgment, started for whatever that's worth, basketball activity in New England. Was it through basketball that made Worcester feel like a home to you and Holy Cross oh, like a no, home no, to no. you? Oh, no, no, no. I mentioned yeah. a while ago, Andy, I, I'm a bit of a loner. I, I like people uh, in small groups, not large groups. Yeah. I have a coterie of very close friends who I'm close to to this day. We meet every Thursday nights and solve the problems of the world for dinner. I, uh, it's me, it's not the world, but I like people, as I say, in, in small groups, and I'm blessed today at 93, as I say, in having a, a close group of friends and two wonderful daughters who hover over me. That's, uh, I think, coming from the Big Apple to Worcester, uh, and even Holy Cross, a small school then, 1800. What do we have now? 3,000? Do we have 3,000? It's still a small school in a laid-back New England town where, as I said earlier, everyone looks out for everyone else. Uh, the uh, city manager council type of government has worked extremely well. I'm, I, I referenced a little while ago, we have a nonprofit for every... So anyway, that kind of intimacy, that kind of, of interaction between the people and whether it's city government or it, the city is ethnically challenged, it, it has every type of humanity. And from what I can see, we treat each other uh, a little better and with respect that you don't find in the larger cities. So what's the touches all the bases, checks off all the boxes, I think, Andy. And, and that, I mean, I, that all of this didn't come to me the minute I stepped off the train. But you absorb it pretty quickly in your uh, relationships with the people you deal with, whether it was at Holy Cross, I remember back then, I think that's the message the Jesuits gave us in those years. What's it all about? Why are we here? What the hell's the purpose of all of this? Was, well, magnify your, your God-given skills in the four years that you're here, and then go out into the countryside communities and help everybody who needs your help, you know? An oversimplification, I'm sure, but I mean, uh, that's the message that we got. And that the city gave us in those days, you know, uh, and hopefully most of us have lived up to it. As a student at Holy Cross, what's one of your top memories? Is it is it a basketball memory or is it just friends? And Well, I, I guess, yeah, in terms of accomplishments, what we talked about winning the NCAA, obviously, was everything else. Although we went, I can't remember, I think we went to the NCAA twice more during that four-year period. I had individual success that you were kind enough to lead. I think I made All-American, I think, first team the last my last two years in school. So from that standpoint, professionally, uh, it was gratifying. But again, the benefits in my judgment of a small school, Andy, smaller school, 
and I've made this speech to kids over the years, as opposed to going to the Michigan State for the year with 40,000 kids, the benefits of a, of a much smaller community, uh, I think the, uh, the long-lasting uh, the relationships that develop to this day, although <laughs> I'm the only one left from, from those years, unfortunately, so most of my friends, but, but the point is it's been, it's been, what, 70-whatever years since I graduated, and uh, I still maintain my relationships with the school and with uh, some classmates who are still left. So those, kind, those kinds of things, as you grow older, can't be measured, you know, uh, other than in my thoughts when I meditate every day and blank out the negative stuff and focus on the good stuff. And that's part of what I focus on. That's so important. Thank you. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll keep talking uh, with the one and only Bob Cousy. At Fuel America, we've created a place for people to gather, to share their stories. We are a destination, and we are a starting point. Because Fuel America is not just our name, it's our mission. Run, roll, walk. Massachusetts is getting moving again. And UMass Memorial Healthcare is here to do our part. Push, pull. We're the region's leader in orthopedics with more doctors, more expertise, and more locations than anyone else. Stir, kick, get moving again with UMass Memorial Healthcare's orthopedics experts. Jig, job. Appointments available now. Call 855 UMass MD. UMass Memorial Healthcare. A proud sponsor of Holy Cross Athletics. Just across Worcester, WPI graduate students are collaborating on solutions to the world's greatest challenges. Their innovations are transforming everyday lives. And our alumni have rewarding careers in robotics and data science to advance manufacturing and business. What will your impact be? Start exploring today at wp.wpi.edu forward slash grad explore. What does it mean to be relentless? It means providing access to great medicine for everyone. UMass Memorial Health, the relentless pursuit of healing. Find the help you're looking for at ummhealth.org. At Wegmans, we've packed our fresh and delicious salads with incredible flavor. Each one is made with our very best ingredients, like fresh greens, imported cheeses, and our signature dressings. We've packed big, delicious flavor into every bite for salads that are endlessly good. So, Bob, you've answered this, but you stay in Worcester after, after Holy Cross, and obviously during your and after your uh, career with the Boston Celtics, was it that, that intimacy, that almost retreat or escape from a larger city that where you came from, New York City, that kept you here, or what kept you in, in Worcester? Andy, I can't I remember the number of times over those, the period of those years, 30, 40, 50 years, uh, I was asked when I was the man in Boston and at the top of my game and all this stuff, and we were winning championships. And uh, I goes, why are you living in Worcester? You work in Boston. You're the guy. You're, you know, 
I was more than willing, and that was before Mask Pike days. So the old Route 9 would take sometimes as much as a couple of hours to get in there. I was more than willing to do that. Again, I, I referenced earlier, I was a bit of a loner. I mean, I, I'm just not comfortable with notoriety. I appreciate it. I worked for it and all. I Fine, I'd rather, I'd rather be high profile, but by myself and be left alone. And especially once the family came. I didn't want my family to be have their life interrupted in any way by my notoriety. And so the fact that they lived a normal, had normal education, they were educated through high school uh, here, uh, and lived a normal life. They weren't pestered, they weren't harassed, they weren't anything. They lived like normal kids growing up in town. My bride... Uh, my bride and I were together for 63 wonderful years. And, uh, you know, I I don't know if she felt quite the same about it because she was like a New Yorker from birth to, to She probably would have moved back to New York at any time. But the point is she, she enjoyed Worcester. My parents are buried here. Her, her mother's buried here. Uh, everything that we're close to, and I would not have been comfortable. So I started to say, at my in my heyday, I could get back to Worcester, get close, <laughs> lock the door, take the phone off the hook, and eliminate the world. Where in Boston, I would have been called upon to do all of these promotional things that I did up to a point. I've never been comfortable with it, and. Uh, and so Worcester allowed me, they gave me respect and love and privacy, all of those things that I would have had a difficult time with in Boston, I think. And a perfect place to raise your family because you wanted that oh, normalcy. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I read in an interview you did that as you were waiting for the NBA that you almost became, or you were a business owner. So you were investing in Worcester, gas stations and, and well, driver's ed? Yeah, that- it's interesting. Frank Offering, my co-captain at Holy Cross, and I were dear friends for life. He died prematurely. I still do business with his son, Bobby. Anyway, getting our last year in college, none of we. I wasn't thinking about the professional game. The NBA was, they've been around four years. I'd never gone to a game. So most kids today, oh my God, every time they're interviewed, if they're successful, yeah, this is my dreams. I dreamt about, we never dreamt about the NBA, but we planned for the future. And Frank and I went to like six bank presidents and said, how do we capitalize on our notoriety at Holy Cross? And for some reason, they said, open up a string of, not all of them, but that's what came out of it, open up a string of gas stations. So we went, Texaco sent us to a two-week crash course. We had the biggest opening they've ever had, pumping gas. And however, once we got started and changed the hydromatic instead of the oil a few times, they decided we didn't know what we were doing. However, we planned a little further, and we decided at the same time to open up an auto driving school. Got an old Plymouth, put 
dual controls. Off we went. And Frank and I were hot at the time. <laughs> I, not so much me. I had just gotten married, but Frank was still a single. So within months, we had three cars going around the clock, he and I teaching ladies to drive. And that's probably what we would have done. Uh, we, would have, we didn't know franchising as a word in those days. But that's what we would have ended up franchising CNO, Cozy and Offering, driving schools in the various towns, you know, I think. That's until somebody called and said, hey, you've been drafted by the Tri City Blackhawks, number one. And I said, wonderful, what is a Tri City? Uh, and I think that. They put that on the headlines of the Tri-City Bugle. Cousy says, what the hell is a Tri-City? So that didn't endear me to the good folk, but I wasn't going to go to Tri-City anyway. I'd just gotten married, started my business, wanted to live in Worcester, had no burning desire to play professionally. And uh, uh, anyway, it worked out, thank God, that I eventually got picked out of a hat by Boston and, uh, and that was 1950, 1956, Arnold Alback somehow got a guy named Bill Russell to join the team. And the rest is history. We won 11 championships in 13 years. I was around for six of them. Uh, and that solidified our history, our life. Uh, you know, that uh, was the icing on the cake, certainly so. But... But none of that was planned. I, I did not plan on a, on a professional athletic future. We could be sitting here talking about your great chain of driver's ed schools right now, <laughs> all these years later. I it's had amazing. peripheral vision, yeah. so that might have helped. You're smart. <laughs> and, so obviously business and neighborhoods change. They come, they go in Worcester. The city's evolved in the you know, 60 or so, or more than 60 years that you've been oh, here. Oh, God. What, what have you seen? What, what, you know, you've been here, you've been well, part of this process. For well, I don't know when it became, I, I think, I could be wrong, well, as far as I know, we, we have more academic institutions than any city in the country. I think it was, last I heard was 11, could be 10, I don't know. So we've always had that. It used to be a manufacturing town. Now it's more high-tech uh, but it's more, it's academic and it's, you know, but culturally, we have wonderful museum. We have a, uh, 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 an iconic statue system that I would recommend two of those <laughs> specifically to, to see if you're visiting the city. We have the other things I've talked about. Such an active nonprofit. I mean, every base is touched in my judgment. I've been close uh, I was the spokesperson for <laughs> something called cystic fibrosis throughout the 50s and the 60s. I was their spokesperson. People thought it was a Polish general. They didn't know, and they don't know a hell of a lot more about it now, but, but we've made some strides. It's a terrible disease. Kids used to live to be 12, No, pretty, not most of them. Now the oldest cystic Survivor in a city is a is a club mate of mine at Worcester Country Club, uh, Foley, uh, Dan Foley, 
And I, every time I see him at dinner, I say, Dan, you're the oldest living. And he is. So we made great strides. I got involved with Big Brother, Big Sister then. I'm still involved 71 years later. Uh, it's a wonderful mentoring organization. And so, again, you know, it's an indication of how you can mix in a positive way in the community you're in. And, and it, I, I, I guess you could do that in the New Yorks and Bostons of the world, but not as easily. Giving back and being there for other people, it's very much a message at Holy Cross. And so it seems to, seems to fit with you and it's something that, you know, you, you try to, from what you're telling us, you try to be good to as many people well, as you possibly can be. Again, I, I give credit to the Jesuits for that. That was the message they sent. I told you, I got there with my moral code being survival and self-interest coming out of that ghetto. And uh, their answer was, no, 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 it's, it's uh, a give back uh, in any way that you can. And at the end of the day, it's a simplistic message, but it's the truth. Going back to sports in Worcester, you mentioned basketball became a, more of a phenomenon in this area after the Holy Cross National Championship in 1947. At one time, right, Holy Cross was bigger than the Boston Celtics, maybe a bigger draw. Oh, we used to sell out. No, we, right. we played our home games after well, well, after winning at Boston Garden. We sold out. Celtics were getting three or 4,000 after that, yeah. How have you seen sports, basketball, other sports kind of evolve? Obviously, we have a professional baseball team now in Worcester. The the Woo Sox, you, you've been to a couple of those opening days. What have, what have you seen about this city and the growth of sports maybe as part of the community? In a sense, sports allowed me to have a complete life. I've traveled the world. My family and I had a private audience with the Pope in the 60s. The Shah ran through a, a luncheon for Al Back and I when we were visiting his country for a week. The, they do play a valuable role in our society. As we, as we look forward now, what do you think is next? What comes next for Worcester? Or what would you like to see? Well, I, you know, just to keep moving in, in the right direction. It's been wonderful. It's been the most plentifulness that a society has ever known the last 60 years uh, or so. Thanks to the technology and everything else we don't have time to get into. But maybe every small town makes people make this speech. But we talked about academics, talked about nonprofits. We talked uh, city manager, council, good, solid, old New England frugality. They don't overlook the people who need everything, but they run it in a frugal way, which I relate to. I've always been frugal. Uh, so right now, you know, it's uh, it's should be held out there as an example for ev every small community. Uh, I mean, I feel that strongly about it. I started off by saying we've had a, a love affair for 76 years, but Love can be blind sometimes, but I, I don't think I'm exaggerating the way I feel about the city. So as we wrap up, a couple of quick Worcester questions for you. When I say this, what comes to your mind, your favorite place here in the city? Worcester Country Club has played a large role in my life for over 50 years. I don't remember what I've been there. Obviously, golf was the draw, but now it's become a family thing. My daughter was married there. My my dear bride, we had a memorial service for her there. 
every Thursday night for 20 years, six or eight old men get together for dinner, and we solve the problems of the world. Uh, so, but it only lasts till one o'clock. So you should, you should feel safe, Andy, until about one next uh, next Friday. Is that your favorite restaurant too, or what's a favorite place to get a get a, get a bite uh, to eat? I used here? to again. I well now I'm not mobile, yeah. so that takes all my energy. I work up for it all week to get to Worcester. It's a two-hour. They saved the handicap spot for me, so I have to walk thirty yards into the table. We all hug. We have our dinner, and I walk thirty yards, and I'm so it's a two-hour experience. A non-Worcester, non-Tercentennial basketball question. Celtics or Warriors? I'm going uh, kind of game to game. I thought going in, I hadn't seen the Warriors that much, but I thought they might have had a little bit of an advantage. The, the series before against the Heat, I was saying the opposite. I had seen the Heat and the Celtics repeatedly, and I thought the Celtics were a better team. They should have won, frankly, more easy, easily than they did, uh, but we won't anyway. And so in this one, I was saying maybe Golden State, and then Celtics go in there and steal that first one in a powerful way. That, that game was the best playoff game artistically I've seen played in years. The second game, normally when two teams are evenly matched, the second game, especially away, goes to the home team. So I was saying Golden State is going to win. I hope it's a close game. I was completely bowled over by the 30-point margin. I mean, I, 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 I still don't know what, what happened. Uh, so now I'm a little apprehensive again. Lots been made about the Celtics' lack of experience in championship games, but I'd say the 1947 Crusaders probably didn't have that experience either and came through okay. Yeah, that that was incredible. We we they had a like a ticket tape parade for Worcester. We were all riding in it and we're saying, What the hell do we do? What what do we what do I, you know, what happened? They're throwing they're giving us new suits, they got got uh, ten thousand people showed up at Union Station to welcome us. We were well, especially me, I was I say eighteen years old. I don't. I didn't know what, but but even the veterans, Andy Lasker, Bob Cohen, Bob McMullen, uh, uh, what was it, Timmy O'Shea, they they were. It caught well. It caught the basketball world by surprise. It caught Worcester by surprise. We still worked out in the barn the next year. Though. It took them a while to get the field house they had there, but yeah, it was a wonderful happening. I spoke at the New York fancy dinner in 58, and Dave Anderson, the Pulitzer Prize winning New York Times sports reporter, was there, and he had just retired, and David, Dave was in our class. And from the podium, I said, David, before you ride off into the sunset, do one more human interest story, which I think is the most phenomenal in the history of small colleges in the United States, of Holy Cross and what they've accomplished with their sports program over the years. Since 1942, I think, we had a Sugar Bowl team, football. 46, we win the NCAA. 51 or two, we win the baseball NCAA. Only team in college 
a New England college, only New England college that's ever done that. We win the biggie with Togo and Tommy Heinsohn, the NIT, which was the big basketball trophy in those days. This is a small three, 1,800 students when we were there. I said, uh, in, a, in a laid back New England town, no television exposure. With that, those kind of accomplishments, there is not another small school in this country that comes even close to that kind of a sports dynasty history. That was my message to Dave, and he waved at me, but he never wrote the story. <laughs> well, Kuz, it's been awesome catching up with you. Uh, really appreciate your time today and sharing, uh, sharing your memories and your thoughts about Worcester and Holy Cross with us. We definitely look forward to chatting with you again soon on, on Seder Stories. Thank you. Andy. Thank you. And we hope everybody listening enjoyed this episode of Seder Stories. If you did, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you did like the show, please be sure to also leave us a five-star rating and leave us a review. Reviews are one of the best ways for others to find our show. We thank you all again, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Seder Stories, presented by UMass Memorial Health. Stay in the loop on all things Holy Cross athletics at GoHolyCross.com and at GoHolyCross on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Go Cross Go!